today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. There's an interesting report, a very timely report, uh, that has been done. It's called a Change the Game Research. Uh, it's a study that was focused on youth sport access, engagement, and equity factors in the wake of the pandemic. Now, during the pandemic, you made me call that we had a number of different discussions uh, about youth in sports and whether or not they were going to come back after the pandemic, the challenges they were facing during the pandemic. And uh, let's face it, there are still some hurdles that need to be overcome, uh, according to this report. And uh, you know, can't address a problem until you can, first of all, identify the problem. And I think this report goes a long way toward doing that which is why we're so pleased to welcome our next guest. America Warner is a research director with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Uh, America, thank you for the time. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me. Well, there's so many issues here that we can tie in here. Uh, the involvement, of course, of youth themselves, uh, access to athletics for youth, uh, uh, the cost of this is going to be a factor, uh, mm -hmm. attitudes by uh, coaches, attitudes by players, et cetera, uh, give me a, a quick overview as to, as to what you found in the research here, first of all, uh, because there was a great deal of concern, and I think it was justified at that point, uh, that a lot of youth that may have been involved in sports and, and were forced out of it because of the pandemic and the shutdowns may simply say, I don't want to go back for a variety of reasons. Is, is that still a, a concern? It's definitely a concern, and it's something that MLSE Foundation is really actively looking to tackle. And some of the biggest problems that we're seeing in the data that are facing us right now are the serious impacts that the social disconnectedness that we're seeing around us is actually having on sport participation and engagement in sport and physical activity for youth. So, you know, a year ago in 2021, this is an annual census-style project. Uh, a year ago, we were seeing cost that you mentioned as the number one barrier. Cost of programs, cost of equipment were presenting the greatest barriers. Today, we're seeing a different theme there with uh, the number one barrier to access actually being not having anyone to play with. So we're spending less time with our friends and family. We have smaller circles and uh, it's really seriously impacting youth's ability to participate in sports and physical activity, unfortunately. Um, you know, and then a few other things we're looking at is a lack of trust in sport organizations. Unfortunately, youth are feeling that they have no one to talk to when they do experience maltreatment or discrimination in a sport program. And we're seeing some good news as well, a real opportunity to utilize sport to address the crisis in youth mental health that we're also experiencing. And we're seeing a, a new and interesting demand, both from youth and parents for sport programs that develop their life skills as well as their sport skills. So that's um, a really growing interest. Um, of course, youth are looking for more and safer spaces to engage as well. Well, there's so much to, to tackle here and to unpack. And, and that's, I, the, the report, by the way, and we'll, we'll talk people where they can find the copy of this later on, uh, because it's a great read. And especially if you, if you have a, a child or somebody in your family uh, that was engaged and may be a little reticent to get back into it. And and these are all legitimate concerns. And and some of these, as we say, are torn right out of the pages of, of today's news uh, because of the concern of, of what's happening in, in many cases, America, with elite athletes. Uh, mm -hmm. And we tend to forget about the fact that uh, as we discover and have these discussions, uh, a lot of those problems exist at the lower level of athletics too. It, it went all the way down to house league. And, and mm -hmm. we need to be cognizant of that, obviously, and, and have that dialogue, I would think, with uh, with young athletes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there is a, you know, a growing movement around safe sport um, within as recreational as well as elite sport. But, you know, what happens in pro sport and elite sport really does reflect what's happening at the grassroots, at the community level. And I believe as well that that's, you know, change needs to happen in both places, but particularly for youth. 
um, who are at that point where they're making a choice to stay involved in sport, which may be a lifelong decision that's going to positively influence their physical health, their mental wellness, their ed ed educational attainment, and their career outcomes eventually. So it's a it's a really crucial point where we if we provide a positive experience that's engaging, that sustains their engagement, um, it's going to make a big impact down the road for that youth as well as for their community and their society. You know, one of the stated goals that's been around for generations, I guess, is, you know, one of the reasons we wanted youth to get involved in athletics at any level uh, was, A, participation and, and, and physical health, but also the mental aspect of this, too. Uh, we're social beings, and, and you know, if we're involved in team sports especially, uh, then that's supposed to be good for us, and I think it is uh, to have that kind of integration, uh, and, of, and, of course, to develop life skills. Uh, are those still the ambitions, and are, are we anywhere close to attaining some of those? In other words, do the people that are involved in this at the youth level, uh, do they feel fulfilled? Do they feel as if they're moving along in, in, those, in that direction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so earlier this week, we had a large event at MLSC Launchpad, which is a sport for development facility that MLSC Foundation owns and operates in downtown Toronto. Uh, we had about 150 youth sports stakeholders out at that event committing you know, discussing how we're going to change the game and really build upon this blueprint that youth have provided for us. You know, we spoke to over 8,000 youth as part of this study. Uh, so we have a really strong idea of what youth in Ontario want and need to see out of the youth sports system. And we saw a, a lot of commitment to responding to, to some of those calls to action uh, from our youth sports stakeholders that were in the space uh, earlier this week. And you know, I think we're, what we're really seeing is that it's, it's not just enough to provide a sport program. Uh, sport in itself is not necessarily a positive influence. You know, um, negative things can come out of sport as well. So it's about building that intentional environment, building the curriculum intentionally so that it is building inclusion and positive life skills and self-esteem and that it is keeping youth, you know, interested in sustained engagement for the long term. Um, you know, it's great to provide access, but if we're not intentional about what that access looks like, it's possible that it's not achieving the benefits that we are looking for. From that standpoint, and I guess from a, a, an overview point of view, America, are we doing enough to uh, to train and properly train uh, the coaches, the people involved in minor sports, to to help the the athletes achieve those goals? <sighs> yeah, it's tough, and you know. If you're a parent, you know that so many youth sport organizations do rely on volunteer uh, participation to, to mm -hmm. coach the youth in programming. Um, and a lot of you know folks are paying out of pocket for trainings and certifications. So I'd say I think there is more that needs to be done there to support more people to get appropriate training. And not just um, you know how to coach the sport, how to coach the physical skills, but how to coach the life skills. Um, you know, working specifically with girls, what are some of the considerations that need to be made and how can you engage girls in a way that might be a little bit different from how you would engage um, a, a group of boys? So, yeah, I think that there is more that needs to be done there. And that's one of the ways that MLSE Foundation responded to the data that we saw last year in our 2021 data um, was all around a lot around coaching. Youth were asking for more coaches that look like me, coaches that respect my culture, coaches that respect who I am. Um, so we have launched some new coach training programs over the past year to really hopefully fill that gap. And we're just in the process of evaluating the outcomes of these programs. So when we now that we've provided this life skills coaching training and certifications to some um, you know diverse folks out in the community, what's the outcome when they go back? Um, are they coaching a and is their coaching having the positive impact that we're hoping it will have? So it's a fairly new uh, field of inquiry. 
uh, in terms of how do we build better coaches and actually test the outcomes after that training is provided. But um, it's something we're getting into along with some of our academic partners. Well, from a societal standpoint, we're evolving. I mean, you, you, you look at the, the mosaic that is Canada. Uh, you know, we're, we're thankfully opening the borders up again because of the pandemic, just about we're starting to be in a, a, a negative position. Uh, people from all over the world are going to come here and, and they're going to want to play sports as mm -hmm. maybe they did, you know, in their country. If It should be accessible. It should be affordable to them. You're absolutely right. Uh, if for a young athlete, if they look around in the, in the dressing room or on the soccer pitch and find out that they're the only one that looks like that in the group, there's a, almost a sense of alienation there that, that, that there has to be some inclusion. And that's part of that's training, I would think, to, to make sure that there are people that are qualified. But even people that are involved in, in the management of the, of the sport itself, I, I think, have to make sure that inclusion is part of their training. Certification is one thing. I mean, if you, you can get a certification certificate that says, okay, I know how to teach hockey and coach hockey, but do you know how to teach young kids? Because that's sometimes two different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. And when we are training diverse coaches, we also need to you know, work through with them. What's it going to be like to go back into a sport context that is predominantly white? How can we better support those coaches to want to stay involved, um, you know, in spite of the negative things that they might be seeing, whether it's at their level or at the professional level in their sport or at the elite level. Um, but yeah, you mentioned newcomer youth. So, and this is a positive finding. A lot of sobering data in this report, certainly, but um, you know, we found a really strong connection between community belonging and sport participation, which was uh, you know really heartening to see. And that was actually particularly strong for newcomer youth, who you might expect to be you know experiencing some level of disconnection. But uh, those who were participating in sport reported a really high level of community belonging. Um, and that, that finding actually applied to uh, youth in Northern Ontario, particularly as well. So an, in a little interesting point there. Well, and, and I guess, again, that comes back to accessibility of the sport and making programs accessible uh, to, you know, as you say, Indigenous groups, uh, other ethnic groups that, that may be new to the community and things of this nature. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're living in East York and the only program is in Mississauga, you know, what are the chances that you're going to be involved in it? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that, that that has to be spread out. It has to be more accessible so those groups uh, feel comfortable in, in that environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's about, you know, providing that widespread access, which is something MLSE Foundation is now working with government and corporate partners to scale some of the programs that we've been running in Toronto for years that we know are effective, that we know are inclusive and engaging, and trying to get them out to more youth in different communities across Ontario, hopefully Hamilton, and um, then, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. And then it's also about providing the variety of sport that are going to be of interest to youth. We heard from a lot of youth in the um, study that some of the reasons why they weren't engaging was because there were just a limited variety of sports offered. So, you know, if you're in a town that only has soccer and hockey and those sports are just not of interest to you, uh, or conversely, if you live in downtown Toronto and the only programs available to you are basketball and that's just not for you, um, you're not gonna engage even if you are interested in sports. So it's getting that, it's that multi-sport approach as well as just broader reach and access. Did you get in with the research at All America about about mentorship, and, and not just at the coaching level, but I mean, you, you, for instance, I look at this the stat here that jumped out at me as I was reading this last night. Uh, one out of five uh, South Asian youth and one out of three Black youth identify coaches that look like me as a very important factor. Uh, black youth were three hundred and seventy percent more likely to cite this than, the, for instance, a white youth. Uh, mm -hmm. People they can look up to and emulate in situations like this. Um, <laughs> You know, Nazem Kadri is, you know, the, 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 um, as a Muslim going up through the hockey. And he's talked about some of the tribulations and some of the racist comments that, that he had to tolerate as a young guy. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and that can be awfully frustrating. But, you know, his story and other stories about people of, of, of other ethnic groups that, that have made it and, and gone through the ranks, I, I think could be extremely important to build that confidence in people that may be a little nervous about actually getting involved. I agree so much. You know, representation really does matter when it comes to race and then also when it comes to gender. Uh, so when we look at the sure. data around, we ask youth what, what could help them sustain their engagement. So, you know, you referenced a really important stat there. But another piece was girls telling us, I need to see a pro women's league. That's going to inspire me to stay engaged. So, you know, really um, valuable data for us here in the industry to, um, you know, help you drive that forward quicker within our country. Well, yeah, and we've seen, you know, female coaches are starting to, to prop up in different professional sports, and that's wonderful. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there has to be accessibility for people, to, and women especially, and, and females to, to be able to gravitate to that elite level as well. And and that's something that needs to be done. Uh, well, as, as you gathered the data, I know we're just about out of time. Uh, are you optimistic? I mean, do you see progress from year to year as you as you do these studies? Well, certainly. I mean, the biggest change, obviously, from 2021 to 2022, we're seeing access, huge improvement in access, you know, quite closely related to the lifting of pandemic restrictions, but also some of the other concerns that youth had reported in 2021, um, you know, around affordability, for example, we saw that as a, as a somewhat lower barrier, although it does remain still a significant barrier for youth from lower income households, but we saw a little bit of a decrease there. So we do see some positive movement. And what's most positive for me is, you know, the upswelling from the sector that we're really seeing of organizations, provincial sport organizations, leagues, associations saying that, yes, we need to change the culture of sport. We're seeing registrations drop. Clearly, the status quo is not working. And, um, you know, are looking for this type of information straight from the minds of youth and parents to help inform what the way forward can look like. Yeah, and uh, there's some very candid remarks here from some of the people that you talk to, uh, young people. Uh, that were very open about uh, their concerns and their feelings and and their reaction to some of the challenges here. Uh, I assume this is up on your webpage, isn't it, uh, if people want to have a look at this? Absolutely. So folks can visit mlsefoundation.org. We've got the report, and it is a clean and easy read. You know, if you're not into reading heavy research reports, it's a good skim. Uh, we've also got an infographic up there, um, an interactive data dashboard. So, for example, if you want to zoom in on a certain part of the province or a certain demographic group and learn what their experiences have been this past year, you're able to do that with the dashboard. Uh, ex- excellent report. And, and if you're involved in this or you've got a, a, a youth that's potentially thinking of getting involved in stuff like this, it's, it's a must read. I think it gives you some pretty clear perspectives on what some of the challenges are and how some people are, are addressing those challenges too. America, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. America Warner, who is the research director for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, Foundation and uh, the great work that they're doing in communities right across the province. Check it out on their webpage. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.